Shalom, Mishpocha. Shalom, family. Mishpocha is a Hebrew word, means family. And we're the Mishpocha, the family with a Jewish heart, made up of Jewish and non-Jewish people. We're the middle wall of separation between Jew and Gentile. It's finally come down to form one new man. Getting ready, Mishpocha, to blow the grandest shofar, all the grandest trumpet in Zion. We want everyone everywhere to hear the good news. We want everyone everywhere to be red hot for the Messiah. Now, I've only dreamt about what my guest has heard from the... my, My guest is the last living link to Azusa Street Revival, and those that aren't familiar with the Azusa Street Revival, uh, this happened in California, the most improbable situation, a warehouse, a one-eyed black preacher before there was integration of races, uh, and the Shekinah glory showed up in this warehouse, and almost everyone that walked in walked out, healed. Uh, And my guest, Tommy Welchel, uh, met some of the elderly survivors. Remember now, this was 100 years uh, ago. He met some of these survivors, and they told him firsthand what they saw, how they prayed, what the uh, uh, what the results were? So he really is the last living link. Now, Tommy, you were told that your destiny was to make this known. What occurred over a hundred years ago? Who told you this? She's she's getting pretty old now. Her name was Jean Darnell. She said that one day I would put these stories in print. And that was in 1966. I'd been listening to the stories for six years. But I, I, I couldn't tell them for 40 years. Why? Well, uh, there's a little story behind that. I, 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 I had a visitation from the Lord in my hiding place. What, what was your hiding place? It was a little secret place I made for myself up at the attic of Pisgah. And if I didn't want nobody to bother me, I'd go up there and hide. A Pisgah was a place where a lot of the people that were involved in the revival— Quite a few. Uh, they, it was almost like a retirement Yes, home? it was. Okay. It was called the Pisgah Home. And that was in California? It's right right next to Pasadena. Okay. And and there, uh, a man by the name of uh, David Duplessis told me to go up the, if I wanted another encounter with Jesus. The first one I had, he got close to me and I fainted. I I got overcome, passed out. So you made up your mind, you're not going to faint this time, Well, (laughs) the next time. Right. And so I got up there, and I'm praying, and all of a sudden, my alarm goes off, and I I turn it off, and the the little room in there is light as day. Well, there were no lights up there. At that time, there were no electricity up in the the loft. There is now. But I thought the light, I knew who that was. Well, I look to the right, and here's these beautiful robe. I can't describe to you how beautiful that robe was. Snow white, and it glowed, and I knew who it was. I leaped up and threw my arms around his waist, stuck my face into his stomach, and then all of a sudden I felt his hand stroking the back of my head. 
he said my name one time. He said, Tommy, and then he said, be patient and be obedient over and over. And then all of a sudden he's gone and it's daylight out there. Now, what did he want you to be patient for, that he impressed it so much that he said over and over? Well, when I had left Pisgah, it, I would want to so badly it was just to tell some of these stories. And every time I would start, I'd hear that voice. Tommy, I said, be patient and be obedient. Well, I'd freeze. I couldn't tell him. Well, when did he release you to tell these stories? In 2006. And any idea why 2006 versus 1995 or 1990? It was the 100th year of Azusa Street. So what did that mean? And 40 years after I had quit listening to the stories. I guess it was his timing. I understand that in 1909, there was a series of three prophecies about something that would happen a hundred years from the Azusa Street Revival. Tell me about those prophecies. Well, the first was Barry Woodworth Eder. She's the one that had the big revival in 1913 down in uh, Echo Park, there in Holland Park. She prophesied that soon before the coming, second coming of the Lord, there would be a great revival, huge revival that would happen in place. Then William Seymour just before 1910, got up in the audit and made a prophecy that in about a hundred years, there would be another revival like unto Azusa Street, return with miracles and with the Shekinah glory, and to this there would be no end to the coming of the Lord. But it wouldn't be in one place or with one person. It would even be in some homes with families, and they would be healing the sick in performing supernatural miracles. Now, th there were three people that prophesied. Who else? Charles Parham, the one who had the big revival in 1901 in, in Topeka. Topeka. Right. He was in New York City. And they tell me almost simultaneously he was making that same prophecy in New York City. And this was 1909. They didn't have the communications they have now, so they didn't get together and make this up. So approximately 100 years uh, from, uh, from the Azusa Street Revival, there would be another revival. Uh, now, would the miracles be greater than what we saw at Azusa Street? They said greater. Okay, they would be greater. They would be just before the appearing of the Lord, and they would continue. Whereas in Azusa Street, uh, they stopped after about three or three and a half years. Yes. Uh, now, let me take you back to the beginning of Azusa Street. And remember, Tommy was just a teenager. He met the elderly survivors that had firsthand seen what occurred in Azusa Street. And we're going to see something greater. But someone that intrigues me a lot is this William Seymour. Uh, he was the most unlikely person, a one-eyed black preacher. Very much. It was a... Uh, now, at that time, there was segregation of churches. Yes. And uh, what did he do about it being black? He wanted white people in there to see this great move of God's Spirit. What did he do? It was the first integrated church in America that I know of. 
Seymour got kind of fanatical. If he come down from his apartment to the service, and there were 20 or more of the same color sitting in one place, he would separate them. He would not tolerate any kind of segregation. He wanted them all integrated. And was it true that when he started this revival, uh, he would come down and put a box? What kind of box was it? Was it cardboard or? No, wood. A wood box. It's, it's boxes that ship fruit in. Okay, and he put it over his head. Why did he do that? He told he told signs is an obedience to God, and I believe it was just humble obedience. And then he wouldn't take, listen to this, he would not take uh, this a wooden box off of his head until he knew what God wanted to do. Until God spoke to him. Tell me, I'm so curious about this William Seymour. Tell me some of the things they told you about him that they saw firsthand. Well, Seymour, there's, there's sometimes they said he would come down. It is, now, there wasn't all the time, but there's some. He looked at a whole area that were laying there in cots had been brought from the hospitals. And he looked up and he says, Every one of you, if you want to be healed, you can. In Jesus' name, you're healed. Get up, take up your cots, you're healed. Every one of them. He said there were about three dozen. Got up, rolled up their cots, did not go back to the hospital. Uh, do you know about, much about the education of this William Seymour? Seymour was not that highly educated. He was the son of slaves. He didn't get much of an education. Back then in the South, they didn't educate the blacks very well. Uh, you know, they were prejudiced. They thought blacks couldn't learn anyhow. Well, that, that was a lie. So, so God picked a one-eyed black man to lead the greatest revival in the history of America. God will use whoever is available. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, we're out of time today, but I want you to get a hold of the brand new book called True Stories of the Miracles of Azusa Street and Beyond and the two CDs, which Tommy Welchel has done. He's been handpicked by God to raise your bar with such expectancy that God is going to use you, but he'll probably start by healing you. And you know what? I, I have heard reports that when pastors start reading your book or telling the stories that you have told, the same things are happening yes. in their congregation. Yes. So we have the book and the two exclusive CDs on the miracles that Tommy has seen and a prayer of impartation. The two CDs are called Miracle Impartations. And Tommy has been seeing these miracles getting stronger and stronger in his life because he was told that now is the time to release this information. And I have to tell you, there's such power in the testimony. Miracles are going to erupt. The book and the two CDs available for a gift of $35. Now, on tomorrow's broadcast, Tommy, I want you to tell me how this great man of God, William Seymour, died from a broken heart, not physically broken, but emotionally broken. And what he did that I believe 
stopped the greatest revival that ever hit America so we don't do it again. Call our order-only line, 1-800-447-2697. 1-800-447-2697. Tommy, you were told these miracles as a young man, and, and then you were told to keep quiet for something like 40 years about the miracles. How do you remember them so well? I'm in my major tribe of... I'm, I've got an awful lot of Cherokee in me, and I'm what they call in the Cherokee Nation, it's a keeper. We're people that you tell us something, and then 30 years later, we can retell it exactly like you told it to us. Well, and, and the, the thing that I am so intrigued over, and yesterday we almost got to that point, is uh, the, the one that God used, one of the most unlikely, if you're an unlikely guess what? Get ready. God's going to use you. That's right. One of the most unlikely uh, was was a one-eyed black man at a time before integration, and the Spirit of God showed up in this warehouse in Azusa Street in California, uh, and almost everyone that walked in would walk out with radical miracles happening to them, but it lasted only three and a half years. And yes. I, and we found out yesterday that uh, this fellow was so humble, William Seymour, that he would put a black box over his head and he would pray. Now, when he prayed, uh, was he praying in supernatural languages, tongues, or was he praying in English? He told Brother Sines, Brother Sines would ask him, the, 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 the piano player, mm-hmm. what well, uh, are you praying? I pray in the Spirit. So he would pray in tongues, but I understand that then he would know what he was praying in tongues. He understood it. He had the gift of, of interpretation. Yes. And once he would find out what God wanted, he would then, and only then, take the box off of his head, and whatever God said would happen. But three and a half years later, uh, he, he had a broken heart. People were talking about him. They, God, tried to take the, they tried to take the mission away from him. Why would they want to do that? I don't know. But they wanted, well, one thing was it. He's not supposed to know anything. He's black. So there was discrimination. Discrimination. Oh, okay. But why did he, did you know why, after about three and a half years, he took the box off of his head? They said he never did say. But do you know what I believe? I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you a story, a true sad story. I was involved. I've been involved in several moves of God's Spirit. I was involved once in a move of God's Spirit. Nothing like Azusa Street, but a genuine move of God's Spirit. And one time I saw the senior pastor tell someone that was laughing in the Spirit so loud, and uh, he felt he was disrupting his wonderful message. He said, next time that happens to you, I want you to take it. I want you to go out into the lobby and take a towel, put it in your mouth so that you're not disrupting the service with that holy laughter. That's what I believe happened with William Seymour. When William Seymour took that box off of his head, what happened to the revival? Within two weeks, they told me, all of them told me within two weeks, the Shekinah glory had left. Uh, A few healings. People receiving the baptism, but no supernatural stuff at all. It just died. And how old was he at that time? 
Well, that would have been in 1909. He died in 1922 at 52 years old. But when the revival stopped, how long did he live? He lived 13 more years. So many people criticized Seymour and telling him it was he's getting too famous, too big to be sitting there with that, some even said, a dumb box sitting on your head. I have to believe that he listened to the people he started getting rather him. than listening to God. Now, uh, at this revival of Azusa Street, how important was the baptism in the Holy Spirit, praying in supernatural languages and tongues? How important was It was, was extremely important. When, when, when the greatest miracles would happen is when Seymour would come down and he'd take that box off of his head and he'd say, Charles, that's Brother Signs, play this tune. And Brother Science would say he would start playing it. He'd, he'd walk around on the platform a little while. Then he'd say, now, start singing in the Spirit. And that means singing in tongues. When they'd start singing in tongues, that Shekinah glory would start swelling and fill the whole building. Then the flames would shoot up out of the roof. Could everyone see the flames or just a few people? No, about, about I'd say about 70% could see it. Well, that's almost everyone. The, the flames would come out of the building and shoot up to heaven. What else would happen? A, a ball of fire would appear about 50 feet from them, and flames would shoot down and go through them and come into the building. So it's almost like the flames would unite from heaven and earth. Now, out of curiosity, could people that were not in that building, uh, that may not even been believers, could they have seen this when they were walking on the street? Many called the fire department. They would come down to put out the fire and come running in with their axes and their holes. It is as the place is on fire. And there's an, the government, no, there's no fire. <laughs> so finally they'd go out. The first time they went out, it was Seymour, John G. Lake, F.F. F. Bosworth, Brother Smith and Brother Signs all ran out, looked up, and saw the phenomena. And they said, no, that's just a Shekinah glory like Moses in the burning bush. But I understand the glory started spreading from that building all the way to the train station. Tell me about that. The anointing went all the way down. Brother Garcia, the one that told me the story of the arm growing out, he lived straight across Wait, before you tell me that story, you can't leave that alone. Tell me about an arm growing out. <laughs> tell me about that. Well, the man that had his arm, even his shoulder joint, ripped out at a, on a job. It happened It had happened 10 years earlier. And, and they didn't have the benefits and things they have today. So he'd come there, and Seymour had come up and was talking to the man and said, now, can you work? He says, no, sir, I, I can do minimal jobs, and that means I get minimal pay. He said, you married? He said, yes. He's got kids? He says, yes. He said, can you make a living? He says, hardly. I can hardly feed them. He said, folks, this man needs, a, needs his old job back. And he jokingly says, if I pray for you and God gives you a new arm, will you tithe? And the man says, yeah, yeah. And he goes laughing. He <laughs> says, no, I'm just, I'm just teasing you. He said, folks, you want to have fun like we did about a year ago when the man's leg grew out. He said, well, we're fixing to. He told him, take this artificial arm off of him. Well, they did. And Brother Garcia could look down into the hole in the socket. And it was just bone. And it wasn't very good. It looked bad. And he said, Seymour laid his hand on his shoulder and started praying. 
Now, the flames were shooting out, flames coming out, and they said the bones started growing out. And about four inches behind it, flesh would start forming around it. And he said, I could sit there and watch it just grow out. He said, I even seen when the fingernails appeared on it. Can you imagine the impact it would have on someone's faith in everything God has to see? To see an entire part of a shoulder and an entire arm growing out? Okay, what was going on? What were you told about the, the train station? Okay, Garcia said he, when he would come in, he was a young man. He wasn't married yet. And in the, in the wintertime, oh, it wasn't no real bad winter there, but it would be dark when he'd get home, and he'd come in and, t- you know, take a shower, get ready, come out on his porch, and he looked over across, and he could see the mission from Pine Street, which was a block away from uh, uh, the big boulevard that ran right past the state train station. Now, if he seen the flames going up, he said he would run to Azusa the whole mile. Because he knew things were, well, he, this day wasn't, but he was walking by, and he looked out, and the platform was full of people just laying there. He thought, my God, this must have been a, 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 a some kind of disaster. This is at the railroad platform. Yeah. It's a half a mile away from Azusa. So you're saying that the, the glory in Azusa went a half a mile and flattened just normal people, not even believers, from well, the presence of well, God. Most of those were believers. Okay. They were getting off, but some weren't. Oh, I'll tell you what. We're out of time. I have Tommy Welchel in the studio right now, and Tommy is the last living link to the Azusa Street Revival. Because just as a young man, uh, he got radically saved by— So, What did you call those women with the buns in their hair? What were they called? Holiness. Oh, there were holiness women with these buns in yes. their hair, and they and he got radically saved, radically set free from from drugs and alcohol, uh, and they they knew that God was going to have him at a certain time, about a hundred years after the revival, start talking about it because they prophesied there would be a greater revival. Even William Seymour prophesied. That's the man that started that God used. To to start the revival of Azusa Street, prophesied about a hundred years later, there would be a new move of God's Spirit, and they would need this information. That And they poured themselves into Tommy, knowing he was going to say this. But you know what I find interesting as I'm uh, reading your materials here? There were certain people uh, in the revival that had great faith for specific miracles, like uh, there was one person that liked to pray for people with wheelchairs, that were bound in wheelchairs. Tell me about that person. That's Sister Carney, and she set the Carney rule. Well, she'd come up to someone in a wheelchair, she'd pick up their legs and put the flaps up. That was a lack of faith if you didn't, because she knew they were going to get healed. No doubts in her mind. She prayed for them, and they got healed. And then uh, tell me about uh, some other specialties. Uh, how about the person like to pray for a bad or missing teeth? That's Sister Lucille. She was one of my favorites. She, little bitty woman, four foot ten, and at one time the secretary to Amy McPherson. Now Lucille, 
All these people I've just read about, they're the true heroes of the great move of God 100 years ago in America. Yes. That's neat. So, so tell me. She would tell me about different. Back then, they didn't have as good a hygiene as we have now, keeping the mouth clean and everything. And she said she brought handkerchiefs with her to wipe stuff off of their gums. And, and it, it, I said, Lucille, was there ever anyone had no teeth at all? She said, oh, yeah, those are my favorites. I said, why? So she would take her finger, put it over where the tooth was, press down, pray, and let that new tooth push her finger up. And she could have prayed for all 32 teeth, and then, but not, not Lucille, one at a time, and let them push her finger back up. It was kind of a game with her. Um, what about people that uh, uh, had gum disease and... Some of the gums would be missing, teeth very badly crooked. She would pray for them, wipe corruption off their teeth, boils, and, 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 and infected, pray for them, and they'd be instantly healed. Tell me about uh, the person that liked to pray for blind people. That's old Brother Bill. He's a sad sack. He's the one that kept crying about the loss of the Shekinah glory. But he still, I, I couldn't quite understand his sadness because there's two blind people at Pisgah that Bill prayed for that got healed. Right in front of my eyes, I saw them. So some of these saints, even though the revival uh, lifted after three and a half years, they still had the anointing to pray for miracles. And 50 you could, years later. 50 years later. I would sit and watch many of them. Uh, Sister Dundee's. She became Sister Beck. Some, a couple from England came over with a, a very ill child. It had a blood, I, I would assume, leukemia. Well, they came looking for Sister Lucille. The Greenies had brought them over there. Uh, not Lucille, they were looking for Sister Beck because she'd love to pray for children. Well, I went and found Sister Beck, and I says, there's some people here from England coming. They got a baby that you got to pray for. She I got her by the hand, and I'm leading her, and her husband's following behind her. And uh, by then, I've been around Pisgah quite a while, and I, <laughs> I knew that, like, they were my mother and father. And I bring her out there, and she says, give me the child. And they gave her the child, and she started praying for it, and all of a sudden, the child just had a blanket on his face. And she looked at him, and she looked at him, and she smiled. And she, she couldn't see the baby, but she handed the baby back to the mother, so the child is, is healed. And the mother took the baby, and Sister Beck went into the church. Well, I wanted to see the baby. I said, I want to pull that blanket up. She says, okay, and I pulled it. He was a perfectly well baby. All the coloring had come back into it. It was just gooing, and it was hungry. What about tumors? Oh, was there anyone that really loved to pray for tumors? Yes, uh, brother, one of the most astonishing ones was, was Brother Langford. And a woman had come up with a, a tumor, a very large tumor on her back. You could see it through the dress. Couldn't hide it. And he laid hands on her and prayed for it. And that tumor, with his hand on it, started shrinking and just went down. And he said within seconds it was gone. He's also the one that prayed for, uh, we called them hair lips, palate lips, would be missing. 
And during his time there at Azusa, over a hundred, he prayed for missing these missing teeth, cleft lips, clip, clip lips, were instantly supernaturally healed under his anointing, right there in front of you. Now tell me about the anointing that Goldie had for tumors. Sister Goldie, her main was tumors were growths that came all over. You've seen people with growths sticking out on their bodies. Yes, I have. And, and, and she even started bringing a, a, a dustpan and a, and a towel to sweep them up in. Because <laughs> she'd pray for them, and they'd fall off right there. And she'd sweep them up in a little dustpan and, and put them in the towel and throw them away. And I said, Sister Goldie, now, now, now you, you mainly went for She says, I just seem to have a burden for them. She said she had a few gross herself that God took off at Azusa. So that, her, that sure beats plastic surgery. It sure does. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, now, tell me about the children. Were they used in miracles, the children of Azusa Street? Ralph Riggs, one of the ones that was 1914 was in the founding of the Assemblies of God. He wasn't quite 12. And one of my favorite stories there, he had a man that had come in about six foot four, big man, dog drunk, slurring. Well, Ralph didn't really, but God said, go pray for him. So he went up there and he says, did you come here to pray for him? He says, well, they said that God was working miracles. He could see the man was blind. Then he had more compassion on him. So he said, well, let's pray. He prayed. The man got instantly healed. Later on, even in my hometown, was a church from the Assemblies of God that that man founded. Hmm. I imagine a lot of these people that God used from Azusa Street went on to start great works and great congregations, even denominations. Yes. Okay. Tell me about, uh, I understand the children used to play in the glory. Well, now that was... Ralph Riggs and, and C.W. Ward, when that Shekinah glory would fill the building, he said, Tommy, you couldn't see more than 10 foot away from you. It got so thick. And he said him and Ralph for a while would play hide-and-go-seek until Mama's found out about it and put a stop to it. <laughs> they would hide in the glory. But can you imagine what was happening to them to be playing in the glory? I mean... Do you really believe that kind of glory is coming back? Well, why not? I seen a man, myself, at one of Steve Siler's meetings. He had his hand stuck up in the air. He's playing the, the organ with one hand. Mm-hmm. And his hand stuck up in the air, and I couldn't see the hand. It was stuck up in that cloud. The cloud was up in the air. I couldn't see the hand. because it. And then Steve says, where is it at, Brother Tommy? And I says, up there and see Jimmy up on the platform. He says, I see it. I said, he says, just a minute. God told me everybody with back problems come up here and you'll be healed. See it? 30 people came up and 30 people got healed. So you're seeing that this same glory has gotten on you when you yes. minister. Uh, have you prayed for people uh, and the glory has gotten on them and they then can pray for people? Oh, yes. Uh, several. One little girl in, in Banning, California, she's 13 years old. There were five churches got together and had a meeting of young people, youth pastors. One of them had a cast on his knee. He had injured it in a ball game. 
And I said, now listen, these people down here, I'm not going to pray for them. I want you to pray, and then if God tells you, you come down here and pray for them. And I seen this little girl, she looked 10, but she was 13, a glow around her. And I believe that was the glory. She finally, she got up, walked down there, laid hands on him, prayed for him. And he got so excited, he got some people help him bust that cast off. He got up dancing all over the church. That little girl, I finally got him to bring her to me. And I said, sweetheart, how old are you? She said, 13. I said, look me in the eyes. I said, you can do that anytime, anywhere. And she had a puzzle. She said, anytime, anywhere? I said, yes. She went to her school. She's what you call a towel girl. In the football games, you see these little right. girls run. That's what she done. Well, the quarterback got injured. They even had him on the gurney. She walked up and says, listen, I believe in divine healing. Would you like me to pray for you? And he said, yeah. She prayed for him, and he got instantly healed. The next play, he would back. You know, I'm getting sick of the news that I'm seeing lately on television. Can you imagine if the news were covering that particular football game or covering what you're about ready to do? I want to get his new book, True Stories of the Miracles of Azusa Street and Beyond, and the two CDs where he'll tell stories that aren't even in the book uh, and talk about and pray for a miracle impartation to CDs and the book, This Miracle Impartation, It's for You, gift of $35. Call our order-only line, 1-800-447-2697, 1-800-447-2697. My guest is the last living link to Azusa Street. Now, this revival was one of the greatest revivals in history, certainly in the history of America. And the glory was so thick that people could uh, hide. Children could hide and play games in the glory. And it it, it started spreading. It, it, It went miles away. And people that were at the train station were flattened because they couldn't stand. The presence of God was so strong. And the great miracles that occurred. And Tommy Welshell was handpicked by God. Some of the elder, elder people that were involved in that revival poured everything they knew into Tommy as a child. And he was told at a certain time by the Lord, he was to release this. And now is the time that he was told to release this because it was prophesied by three of the leaders that just before Jesus returns, a hundred years approximately after Azusa Street, there would be another greater move of God's Spirit, but it would not be just one or two special handpicked people. It would be whoever would have the expectancy level, whoever would have their bar raised for this kind of expectancy. And that's the purpose of the book that he wrote. That's the purpose of the two miracle impartation CDs that we're making available this week for $35. Uh, Tommy, tell me about people uh, who had deformities in their face that were healed in this glory. Well, my favorite one was a man, you've, you've seen the movie, the Elephant Man. Yes. Well, this man was very similar to him. His 
chin dropped way down here. Hmm. How he ate, I don't know. But it was just like sagging skin yes. almost. It, it, extremely homely. Uh, twisted face. And the person that prayed for him said that the, the jaw was the first one to start coming up. Now, this didn't just in seconds, but within about three minutes, this twisted body, twisted back, twisted legs came together. He became one of your foremost preachers, bringing it to the East Coast. Mm. Uh, there was even someone that became a famous movie star, uh, yes. Robert Montgomery. Tell me about that. When him. he was young, he's one of Hollywood's golden boys. He had fallen and cracked his head, skull, badly. Should have either been killed or left mentally retarded. And no, uh, his mother and grandmother rushed him to Azusa. And they prayed for him. And he was instantly healed. He wouldn't have been a movie star if that hadn't happened. Exactly. Could, so they could see his features changing before their eyes? Right in front of him. Within just a few seconds, he was normal. They let him down to play. Hmm. Uh, tell me about uh, people that uh, uh, their eyes, they were either blind or they had just whites uh, and, and they would turn into beautiful color. Yes. Some it said they had no white in the eyes and they started going blind and been going for years and years going more and more blind. And now they were totally blind, what they call legally blind, couldn't see anything. Well, he told her to close her eyes. And he laid his hands over her, her eyes, prayed for her, and he took his hand and said, now lift your eyelids. Lift them, says the whites were there, and she could see perfectly. These were a common occurrence at Azusa Street. Not once in a while. This was an everyday thing. What about the music? What, what kind of music did they have at Azusa Street? Well, it's hard to explain. Many people, at first they had no instruments, but... They got him a platform, finally got a piano there and a violin. And both of them, one was Brother Sides and one was Brother Christopher. Brother Sides said he'd start playing that piano. And Brother would see him over and tell him to sing in the spirit. And he said, Brother Tommy, I'll just sit back and watch. And they start playing that piano, and they just watched their fingers moving. And they said that it sounded like, even the people said it sounded like a thousand pianos playing. Brother Christopher said he started playing that Stradivarius he had and stand there and just watch. He said all of a sudden the spirit would take over and he'd just stand there and watch his hand moving. And he said the most beautiful music you ever heard. It had to be from heaven because he couldn't play that. And he said every time that anointing would get that strong, that would happen. And people could say they could swear that an orchestra of a thousand violins joined in. Tommy, all of a sudden, I'm not sure why, but the presence of God is getting very, very strong right now. Why is that? Tell me. Well, because the anointing's coming. I feel so, it. So, so we talk about the anointing. It, it's not Sid Roth or Tommy Weltel. It's the anointing. And, and there's, there, there, there's a young man that is listening right now. He, he's going to be healed. He has a depth. And not totally deaf, but he can't hear good. And he stutters. 
and he, he's going to be healed before he's through listening to this. When he listens to it, put your hand on the radio, and you'll be healed. Tell me about the time you had a visitation from the Lord, and you uh, you didn't even breathe for hours. I, I was in prayer, seeking God, really, really wanted God to move on me. And, and I just went out. I could see myself. I couldn't move. But I felt this tingling, this, 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 like electricity going through my body. Just like I felt it coming out of Seymour's grave that time when I laid on it. Just coming into me. I thought I was there for maybe 10, 20 minutes. But I'm told <laughs> I was there for about two hours. Now, one time I went into this trance in the church with my hands lifted up in the Shekinah glory. That was the last time I had my vision of heaven. They say I froze like a statue, didn't move for exactly two hours. But, you know, I've read about Marie Woodward Eder, and she did the same thing, except it was longer than two hours. Seventy-two hours. (laughs) Seventy-two hours? She was like a frozen statue. My goodness. (laughs) Now, talk about signs and wonders. That was a sign and wonder. Tell me. How about the person that had their arm burned uh, and the the arm was going to be amputated. Yeah, bro, Brother Christopher, he said it came up, and he said there was things working in there from a bad burn. It worked. And Brother Christopher prayed, and God gave him a word. of. He says, go home and clean this and, 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 and get it cleaned out and bandage it and come back to, tomorrow night, and we'll see what God will do. But when he came back, they said, let's see what's in here. And he took took the bandage off. And the arm was completely restored. Brother Christopher said he was so amazed that what really impressed him was the young man's willingness to obey what he was told. And it got that gang. He said that arm should have been cut off. How, how did it look before he was healed? Well, there were worms working in it. Worms? Yes, sir. Maggots. Ah. And it was greenish, oozy pus running out of it. It had got infected. How long did it take to get healed? Well, they prayed for it. And I said, he, he told the young man to go home, to clean it out, bandage it up, and come back the next day, and let's see what God will do. Well, the young man said that the, the, the arm quit hurting that second he prayed for it. But he went home, cleaned it out, bandaged it up, and the next time they looked at it, it was perfectly whole. Now, this 100-year prophecy uh, that was prophesied that that there would be a greater move than Azusa Street, do you believe it's about ready to happen on planet Earth? Well, I'm I'm starting to have some of those miracles in my meetings, and most of them, I don't pray for them. They just happen while I'm telling the stories. Tell me one last story you were told about a miracle at Azusa Street. There was a there was a, a a a miracle. A woman had a crooked nose. You've seen some of these pictures and movies of these witches. Yes, that came out in a hook down. Right. She had a, a nose. A witch's like nose. Okay. She had a witch's nose. Well, Mother Mangus said, "Well, okay, we'll pray and see what God will do." And uh, she says, "Well, it's." A, she says, "No, no." So he prayed for her. Well, she went away, and a little while later, she came back, and the nose was no longer hooked, 
But the woman wasn't satisfied. Her nose had a point on it. And Sister Mangrum says, oh, well, she says, God, what I do? He says, I'm the greatest plastic surgeon on earth. Pray again. She prayed again, and she said, Brother Tommy, well, that woman went, she had a beautiful nose you ever saw. Hmm. And, and just as you're saying that, I believe that just as you testified, missing fingers are growing out. Missing limbs are growing out. Well, you know what I believe? I believe that we should put our faith for tomorrow's broadcast, that as you tell some stories we're going to get reports of some of the greatest miracles we've ever seen. In, in other words, you don't even have to pray. The anointing on the anointing. miracle, uh, uh, j- just, uh, and, and the Spirit of God is getting so strong. I can't wait for tomorrow's broadcast. I have Tommy Welshell in the studio. He is the last living link to the Azusa Street Revival because as a young man, he met some of the aged people that were, remember, this revival was 100 years ago uh, in the early 1900s uh, in Azusa Street in California, and they poured everything they had into him. He's telling these stories of what they saw firsthand in this revival. It's just like you were there. Um, And as he tells these stories, people get healed. Miracles start taking place. But uh, Tommy, you told me that a lot of these aged saints would always walk up to you and just pray, not even tell you what they were doing. And and finally, you asked, what did they tell you? Well, all of them would lay their hand on my shoulder. And it was just a few seconds, silent prayer. And after about a year, I got up the nerve to ask Brother Signs, what are you people doing when you do this? And he said, we're imputing all the anointings that we have off onto you. But can you picture one person being able to have the anointing for tumors, the anointing for blindness, the anointing for people in wheelchairs, the anointing, and we've been talking about this all this week, the anointing for children. How about animals? What, what happened with animals? Oh, I've seen, I've seen, some, an, I've seen some animals healed at, a, at Pisgah by these saints. Lucille, there, there was this boxer bulldog to this young man who lived across the street. He loved this bulldog. He's a little boy. Well, a car had hit it and killed it. He came running for me. I went, and first one I saw was Lucille, so I got to say, come on, we need to pray for this dog. She, she says, a dog? Yeah, it's dead. You'll raise it. And she says, okay. We go down there, and, and so we're getting into the, we're trying to get into the police. The police are saying, well, we got to kill him, but get, get him scooped up and get him into the, uh, 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 you know, a bag. And Lucille says, no, this little boy needs his dog back. I said, let me pray for him. And they had him in a bag. And one guy said, he says, just, what, I said, what have you got to lose, officer? She can either make a fool out of herself or we can have a miracle. He says, uh, pray for it, lady. She went over to pray for it in the, inside the body bag started jerking and kicking, and that officer, he unzipped it, and out came the boxer bulldog. Totally, and he was crippled. I'd seen the bones totally made whole. Then there was a cat 
that had got his eye shoot out by a BB gun. Eyeball hanging out. Well, they cleaned it out, and this Sister May came up and put a handkerchief over the eye and prayed for it. And there was one named, man named Kirk. He didn't believe these miracles. She took her hand off, and here's the eye, totally whole. He looked at me, he turned and looked at me, and says, Now I believe. Hmm. Now, just out of curiosity, because I'm naturally a curious person, when these various saints from uh, the great Azusa Street revival would put their hands on your shoulder and pray for you, uh, did you feel anything special? Tell me what, what went on. Every time they laid hands on me, I, like a little tingle, electric tingle. Not bad, not real, but a little tingle. I kind of enjoyed it, but it only lasted about six, seven seconds. I just was curious of what they were doing. Well, I believe that you were raised up not just to tell those stories, but to pass that anointing on to other people. And um, you've been on the radio before. When you've shared stories, what has happened Houston, Texas. This one black brother had a had a program on one of the six stations that a black man owned them. Now they never let white guys come on. This this man got me on and he handed me the microphone. Willie. He said, Okay, Brother Tom Israel, I got it and I don't remember. They said I started said like an anointing came on me and I started talking. The owner of the stations came by and he was sick. He just looked at me and he got healed. He knew what it was. He went into the controls and turned me on to all six radio stations. After it was over, I just came to him and said, okay, I'm through. said, right at the last second, they were fixing to stop me. People started calling in. One woman who was taking a shower, she had to brace herself up. She kept a radio on in her, in her bathroom. She got healed in the bathroom taking a shower. It started dancing, and she could hardly stand up. One woman was paralyzed, laying on her bed, hadn't felt anything from the waist down for years. She thought, my God, what is this? What's happening? She had to have help to get up. Before she knew it, she was up dancing in her bedroom. There is such a presence of God. I believe that uh, here's what I want you to do, Tommy. I want you to pray for healing, and then we're going to pray for a release of every anointing that these saints prayed for you to be released for those that are listening. Would you do that for me Yes, because that is my main ministry, telling my stories, answering questions, and praying a prayer of impartation. Okay. I want, let's start out with that prayer of, of impartation. Now, you pray for every anointing that is in you. Freely you have received, Tommy. Freely give. Freely give. Pray that now. Heavenly Father, I come to you right now. I'm asking that by your anointing, you release the anointings, all the anointings that these, these beloved saints of God imparted to me back in the 60s. God, I'm asking that it go out over these waves and it go to people in their houses and to said now, your anointing fall and flow. God, and I pray for healings to start coming in. People calling in and said they got healed. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, I want you to paint a picture for me right now with your words of what is going to be happening in America very soon. What what do you type of miracles are you believing God will do? Are you are you believing like you talked about uh, where someone's arm was missing, it's part of their shoulder and the whole arm growing out? Paint me a picture. I'm seeing. I had a I had a a a, a, a vision, a, a dream vision, just about a week ago. I saw arms growing out. I saw limbs, eyeballs coming back in. And I believe that's going to be happening real soon, Sid. But not just with me, with every believer, those that believe. Now, if you don't believe in this, don't worry. You won't get it. It's for the believer. But faith comes from hearing. That's why your stories are so important. You've got to give the testimonies. You've got to witness and testify of what God has done because he is the God of everybody. He's the same God. Back then... He's the same God now. He will do the same for you. He's not a respecter of persons. He's not a respecter of persons. He will do it with anybody that will believe him. Like that little 13-year-old girl. Did you know she had revival in her school? Can you picture, you know, they're, they're so worried about our education system in America. Can you picture how in the world would administrators stop a move of God's spirit in the schools? They couldn't do it. Uh, and you know what I'm hearing? People that have gum diseases and teeth problems, pray it. Pray it right now. Pray it. Pray it. You're seeing it too. Yes. Pray, pray for people to get new teeth. God, we're praying right now that supernaturally teeth and gums will start growing back in people's mouths. And God, that, that, that their whole dental system would clear up. And if they, if they want new teeth, they'll get them. And perfect teeth. God, that revival will break loose through this. God, souls will be saved all over the world. And your name will be glorified in America and then to uttermost parts of the world. God, it is by faith. And it is God by the anointing. And I'm asking that that move and go right now in Jesus' name. And how about those people that need uh, hip replacements and knee replacements? They're getting it right now. Right now. New knees, new hips in Jesus' name. And how about backs? Pray for backs right now. Heavenly Father, we're asking that every, every back that's been severed, every paralyzed person, everybody in pain, will be instantly healed in Jesus' name. Okay, <laughs> let me tell you something. There are going to be so many, even arthritis in the fingers. <laughs> it's gone. It's gone. Arthritis anywhere in your body, it's gone in yes. Jesus' name. Uh, and I've got to get this book in your hands, True Stories of the Miracles of Azusa Street and Beyond, brand new book, the two special CDs, Miracle Impartations, available for a gift of $35, Shabbat broadcast. The Lord is blessing you right now. The Lord, he's smiling upon you right now. The Lord is surrounding you with his favor right now. The Lord is gifting you right now. The Lord is giving you his shalom, his completeness in your spirit, in your soul, and in your body right now 
in the name that is above every name, every problem, Yeshua HaMashiach Tzikenu, Jesus the Messiah, our righteousness. Our world is rife with comparisons about what separates us. Day after day, we go about our lives with tunnel vision. But Scripture tells us how Messiah broke down the wall between Jew and Gentile, allowing for the creation of one new man, one new humanity. This spiritual completeness is set to usher in the greatest move toward God the world has ever known. Sid Roth has discovered Scripture's key to reaching the Jewish people with God's love. One new humanity opens the door for God to move in signs and wonders, and all will see the evidence of the invisible God promised in Scripture. At SidRoth.org, you'll find mentoring tools to empower you to share how one new humanity is critical to bringing multitudes to know God. You'll understand Israel and the Jewish roots of the church and how all the nations of the earth will experience blessings unseen in human history. Log on to SidRoth.org today and learn how one new man is the key to unlocking God's greatest blessings. To hear this week's interview or watch archives of our television show, It's Supernatural, visit our website at www.sidroth.org. That's www.sidroth.org. To receive a complimentary copy of our bi-monthly teaching newsletter, materials catalog, or information about becoming Mishpucha or Chalitzim, write to me, Sid Roth, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina. 28278. To place a credit card order, call anytime 1 800 447 2697. For all other calls, the number is 704 943 6500. That's 704 943 6500. For a CD of this week's broadcast, send a donation to Sid Roth. That's S I D R O T H. Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278.